Good afternoon, I'm Darren Kelly and welcome to this week's Camogie edition of The Fair Green. Our guest this week is a Kilkenny Camogie legend, as 20 times All-Ireland senior winner with club and county and Downey joins us. She discusses her career, playing and managing, taking over the Ballyragged men and how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected their preparations. It's a fascinating insight into Kilkenny hurling and Camogie and Anne also names her Fantastic Four here on The Fair Green. I'm delighted to be joined now by, quite simply, a Kilkenny Camogie legend uh, who's won 20 All-Ireland senior titles, and that's just the tip of the iceberg first. And Downey, welcome here to the Fair Green. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Well, a pleasure is absolutely ours, Dan, and say we'll be chatting about your career in a couple of moments' time, and then we'll have the Fantastic Four segment at the end. But, uh, and just say, the times we're living in at the moment, and obviously you're ma- managing as well, uh, if you just give us a feeling like, with all, especially all the restrictions coming in and being back with Ballyraggart as well, how have you found um, preparations and playing um, championship matches in Kilkenny over the last couple of weeks? Look, I suppose since we were allowed back to train 15 um, at a time, um, we were happy to do that. Um, it was awful for the length of time that we we weren't able to get to the pitch and we didn't know what the lads were doing. We were keeping in touch with them maybe um, on Zoom and, and um, on WhatsApp, just telling them to, you know, stay taking over. And then um, we were in the, the national school here in, in Ballyragas. We did two lots of 15 and when we got the go-ahead then, I think um, the 29th of May, and I could be wrong on that date, that we could go to the pitch. It was really it was great to meet up with everyone. Um, you know, the fact that we're able to play hurling at this stage, our preparations, you know, obviously haven't been great. A new management team gone in over the guys. Um, I have known the lads all my life, I suppose, but Nigel and, and Nathan Collison that are, are dealing with them, Nigel is coaching them and Nathan is doing the, the physical work with them. Um you know, they wouldn't have known the guys and we just didn't get that much time with them, unfortunately. But it look, it is what it is. It's a real bonus that we're still hurling, albeit that now at this stage we won't have any spectators. But it is still great for the lads to be able to come home from work and head down to the pitch and meet the guys and have an hour and a half of exercise, you know, feel good about it and, and go home and look forward to the games. Because it was the reason I said I'd start with Bally Ragazan is because you're you're the subject of this week's episode of Top of Summer. And while this broadcast goes out on the Wednesday, it'll be up in the RT player, a feature link documentary as well. This is people giving their perspective of the year that we've had too. As you mentioned there with Bally Ragas, you did know the players. Of course, there was an awful lot of media attention when you were appointed at the end of last year as well. But you must be happy enough now that you can be focusing on getting the job done. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the games and, you know, there was a lot of hype around the time that I was appointed and I was really surprised about the hype because, you know, as I, I've said before, there's great female coaches out there, uh, much better than I, I was ever. And I suppose the attention I got was really because I've gone in as a manager of a, of a, a men's team probably the first to do that in Kilkenny. But, uh, you know, I'm sure around the country there's plenty of, of great managers that we haven't heard about. And the fact, I suppose, that the profile with the Camogie and that I had stepped down from the, the Kilkenny Camogie scene just uh, um, after last September, um, that was the story, really, I suppose, leaving one job and taking up another. But, you know, having said all that, I'm hoping that it'll open doors for other female um, coaches and managers, you know, 
um, that are there and that uh, clubs will have the courage of their convictions to, to ask them to, to join or to stay involved or to get involved. Um, because, uh, you know, the female coaches and, and managers, they have so much to offer and they're such a, a big part. Females are such a big part of the GA and always have been and always will be. And they're growing so much more as well. And we'll be going back to our Camogie side of conversation in a second. But even you've taken every opportunity, win that media, uh, the circus was coming, I suppose, for your appointment to highlight this. Uh, it's important for females to get involved and even get involved with your under eights and under tens like you did when you started coaching. Yeah, well, that's where you can start, really. You know, I suppose most um, mothers will start with their with their kids and go down to the pitch and give a hand. But, you know, you would hope that um, they would stay on and go up the grades with them. Um, you know, go to the under 10s, 11s, up the long, you know, go to minor, maybe go to intermediate, go to junior, then go on to senior. But unfortunately, I suppose a lot of the, um, um, the women, they do fall away because, you know, it is all, it's time consuming. It's not just going down to the pitch on a, on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday and have a game on Sunday. It's, you know, it's 24-7. You're trying to organise pitches. You're trying to organise a session. You're trying to organise physio. You're trying to make sure that the lads are off. Um, you know, there's so much planning that uh, will go into a training session. And, you know, I suppose I suppose that's where the, the women are probably caught a lot of the time. But, um, but I, you know, like any female sport, you know, if you have someone that you can look up to, and certainly within the Camogie ranks, um, young girls in Kilkenny have people that they can aspire to be like now. And I would hope that the fact that I was appointed, you know, would, you know, give um, women the courage, you know, you know, take the leap of faith, see what happens, you know, don't be afraid to take the job and, you know, surround yourself by good people like I have always done, regardless of whether I was coaching or management. Um, I always had great people with me, people that, you know, were great coaches. Um, and that's the, the really the hard job. You know, the easy job for me this year is probably managing the guys the hard job is probably for Nigel, you know, and all the credit should go to him. Because as you've seen there as well, like you, you, you've been so used to coaching and management there now and having organised teams around and you, you've seen success there as well. We moved away from Ballyraga, but you were involved in county title victories in minor and under 21. And for the current generation of Kilkenny Camogie players, I know you're not manager anymore. You've played a big part in bringing some of these players through to the, through the setup. Well, I have, I suppose, earlier on in 2002, I was involved when we won the first Junior All-Ireland and I was with Kenny for a few years and went away from it and um, came back in 2009. I think we were in an All-Ireland semi-final final and got beaten. And then in 2011, I was involved with the juniors and the seniors, or the intermediates and the seniors, and we won the intermediate All-Ireland that year. So most of the girls that are still on the Kenny panel, you know, I would have introduced them to the senior ranks. Um, I suppose Katie Power comes to mind. Katie had won minor. I, I was never involved with the minor teams in Kilkenny. Angela had, was and her husband, Ted, uh, you know, both of them were involved a long time ago when, when Katie was playing and Sinead Malay playing and Bridget Mullally and um, the likes of those girls. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I've played against some of the girls when I went in as manager. You know, I would have played with Liz Downey and came up against a few of them when I did go in as manager. And that was, I suppose, the biggest task for me was to gel everyone together because the competition in Kilkenny at the time was Liz Downey versus Freshford or Liz Downey versus uh, Bally Callan. And when I suddenly start stopped playing club camogie and I went in as manager, I was coming up against these girls that 
you know, we were after doing battle with and the, the big problem there then was to gel everyone together. And we worked that well. You know, I think eventually it we got the success that we craved for, um, you know, in 2016. Um, you know, it was long overdue, 22 years waiting for it to come. But, you know, I was happy to be involved. But again, it was the great team that I had around me. It was Paddy Manali and Connor, Connor Phelan. And I'm going to leave out someone now because the memories go with me. But, you know, all those... Uh, great hurling men, you know, that put the shoulder to the wheel with me and um, I couldn't give them enough credit, you know, for all that they have done for us. And was management always something that you were looking to do when you finished your playing career? Because as you mentioned there, your first stint with Kenny was just three years after you retired. Uh it wasn't really, to be honest. Um, I suppose I went I went playing golf after I finished um, um, the camogie and... Um, at the time, I think Kilkenny were looking for a manager and it wasn't easy, you know, to get someone to go into that role. Um, there wasn't, um, I suppose, anyone putting their, their hands looking to take the job. And um, I think it was Teresa Dillon at the time asked me, would I be interested in getting involved? And I thought about it and I said, sure, I would if I knew I had the right people with me. And I made a few phone calls and I suppose it really took off from there. Now, I would have got to know you mainly, well, I would be well familiar with your playing career, but during that second stint as well, because I started covering Camogie in 08. I remember the 2009 All-Ireland semi-final very well when Marie O'Connor got a late goal too. But at that time when you came in from 2009, and um, did you, like we've talked about some of the players as well, but did you, was that special crew there that you, like, you know that one All-Ireland success has come thankfully for Kenny, but did you feel there was a team coming that could uh, come close to emulating the success of the teams that you played in? I, yeah, I did because Kilkenny had won a few minor All-Irelands and but the problem was, I suppose, is was to get the girls to realise that there was such a big step up from minor um, to senior. I think they thought that they could rock onto the senior team and it was going to happen for them like it did with minor. And, it, you know, that took a long time and it, it was a lot of frustration uh, around that just to get the girls, you know, to the younger girls at the time to tune in and say, look, that's not the way it happens. You know, you, you really have to work at your game. You're not the polished article. Yes, you have to work at your skills. You have to work at your diet. You have to work at your physical um, conditioning. And um, that took a while. It didn't happen overnight. And of course, you know, as you, you know, I was, we didn't have success until 2016. And at that stage, I had gone away from the girls. And they had contested a, probably a five or six All-Irelands before I got back involved in, in um in the with the team in 2016 so they were always near very near but just just having problem getting over the uh, over the final line you know you gave the impression that you well you've always said never say never on anything you gave the impression that those days were done but as you mentioned there you did get back involved uh you were with waterford it for a bit mm -hmm. and didn't get any opportunity came up again yeah, I worked with, with Pally Mullally and Connor um, in Washford IT. Sheila O'Donoghue would had asked me to get involved in 2013. And we had great success with the with the Ashburn that year. And, you know, um, we probably had one or two stars but on the team at the same time. But we had some great workhorses, you know, from different counties. And um, it was a real ple pleasure working with Paddy and with Connor. You know, Connor is a real uh, gentle soul where Paddy and myself would probably hopping off of one another. But um, we had great success um, in, in 13 and we were narrowly beaten, I think, in 14. And uh, and then the job came up um, 
in 2016 and Paddy and uh, Connor and myself, we sat down, we spoke about it and we said, look, you know, have we something to offer? And um, we went to, for an interview with the county board and, you know, we got the job and sure, after that, I suppose, um, just great to get over the line in 2016 with the lads. I, my, my impression looking at the outside in that 2009 came very soon for them, but the experience was something that would stand to them. I did feel myself they probably were a bit nervous than Galway in 2013. 14 might be considered one that that was their opportunity, but they were coming, even despite not making the final in 15, they were coming, weren't they? Sure, they were, you know, they weren't, I suppose, the first uh, All-Ireland I but the last one, the one I really remember was Katie Power was very young at the time and frankly Flannery was involved with Cork uh, the same day and I think Katie took on Gemma O'Connor under the Hogan stand and Katie was having a good game but when she came out the second half, you know, I suppose the, the fact that she wasn't uh, as physically strong as Gemma or it took its toll on her, you know, uh, the same day. Uh, that was the Baptist's baptism of fire for me that day you know I said the girls are not physical enough at the moment they were still young um, you know Cork were a great team that day um, knowing Frankie he, when he put his hand to something everything is done you know to top order and we came out second best the same day but there were as you said always knocking on the door it was always you know you just have to have a little bit of luck um, they didn't seem to have that in any of the, any of the games uh, one or two calls I would say I remember one all Ireland I wasn't involved again uh, I think uh, Eve Beneary was fouled in the square um, I think it could have given him a free you know that it would be able to draw on the day or, or win the tournament those little calls I suppose but you know those are hard luck stories um, having said that um, the girls stayed at it worked hard you know took all the knocks took a lot of knocks um, until as I said in 2016 eventually we got over the line thank God and in 2016 as well, you're coming back into a dressing room with a lot of players that you put on in there in the first place too. But it was mm. time to step it up as well. And you've had success in the league, you've had success in Leinster, but as you say yourself, you're judged on All-Ireland titles and finally it all came right in September 2016. Yeah, you know, we played exceptionally well the same day. Um, I think at the end there might have been only four points between, uh, between the two teams, but... With five or six minutes to go, I think we were out by seven and Cork might have got a late goal. But, you know, they executed the plan well. They, You know, we had a plan, I suppose, the same day to bypass Gemma and we did. Uh, we played the flanks and um, it paid offers. The girls were asked to work hard, you know, two-man full forward line. It wasn't easy. Shelley Farland, uh, Julianne uh, Malone uh, were on the half forward line working their socks off. So... You know, it was a real team panel effort the same day. Um, but there was a lot of work gone into it, you know, a lot of video work and a lot of going through the what we wanted uh, out of the girls. And, of course, to get over the whole emotion of the day, you know, they had that scar and the, the scars of the years before gone by that they hadn't got over the line. But um, we got Dr. Fergus Heffernan involved with us that year just to help the girls with their confidence and to have a belief in themselves and... We got um, Dr. Martin O'Brien, first time that we ever had a doctor with us, and Nicola Aylward, um, you know, our physio. So everything was in order. We were getting food, and they were really well looked after. The girls really bought into what was happening, and, uh, you know, it paid off in the, uh, at the end of the day. And I'm going to come back to that in a second as well, because 
Uh, while you got the success in 2016, and on paper it says that won all Ireland, you've been there. I, I've lost count of many finals. Keith Kenny have been in, but of course the following two years there are just heartbreaking one point defeats in some sub start matches, mm. and then it uh, didn't last year. It was just one of those days where Galway just hit fire. Yeah, going back, I suppose, to 2017, uh, we had the game won in full time and we had the game won in extra time and it went on and went on and went on and, you know, Juliet took her her, her point well to, to beat us by a point and we came on to 2018 and, you know, we just didn't know what was happening, to be quite honest, because you couldn't nearly... Everything went against us. It was, as you say, stop-start. Um, he didn't know when to stop blowing the whistle. Um, we didn't. We, we actually didn't know what was happening. To be quite honest, uh, again we got into the rhythm of things, but again to be narrowly beaten by a point it was really disappointing. And as you said, like God, we were a super team last year. Uh, the physicality, I suppose, um, the play was left run. Uh, they were far more physical than, than we were. They took their scores well. We made a few mistakes, I suppose. Um, and but you'd have to say, you know, we were beaten by a better team on the day. And there's never any shame in the hide as well. But like in, in the recent years, we've had Kenny, we've had Cork, we've had Galway, three excellent teams setting the standard. There's other counties knocking on the door as well, but you still get the feeling, even going into 2020, and I know there's debates about whether we do have an inter-county championship or not, but there'll still be the three teams to beat. Yeah, uh, yes, and I would also, you know, throw Washford and Tipperary into the mix. I know Wexford have had the problems last year, and I would hope that it would have regrouped. But certainly, um, for the last few years, every time that we played Washford in a league or a championship match, we always found it hard to beat them. They're, you know, a star-studded team, as are Tipperary. And uh, it may, it takes a lot of commitment, and you actually have to have everyone still on your panel and no one, you know... Um, bowing out or leaving the panel. So that's the mainstay of it, I suppose, really. And Kilkenny are fortunate enough, I suppose, this year that, um, you know, earlier on in the year, Anna Anna Farr had gone for an operation on her shoulder and the break now has given her a chance maybe to get back onto the the, the team if, if the championship does go ahead. Um, the same with Megan. Megan was to go travelling to um, Australia and that didn't happen. So their two pluses, Katie Powers had a, an operation on her finger and again, the few months now have given her a chance to um, you know, get herself right. So hopefully, if it does restart at the end in the middle of September, that Kilkenny hopefully will be in a stronger position than they were playing the league. But the league gave Brian an opportunity as well, you know, to try new players and, you know, to pit themselves against the best when they were playing these league games. And that's what you want. You want to see how they're going to be able to cope and, you know, expose young girls to, you know, great Camogie players, you know, to pit themselves against the best. And I'm just going to bring in, you mentioned Brian there as well, before we move from the management side of the conversation. Um, you, you knew your, uh, Did you know yourself, Anne, before 2019 that you were probably going to step away or was this kind of decision that you made after the All-Ireland Final? I probably knew during the year that it would be my last year, to be honest, because when Paddy stepped down after uh, 2018, in fairness, like we were a management team, but at that stage... Well, I could have gone. I didn't really want to go until I knew I had someone in place or that there was someone going to come in with me and take over the mantle. And, you know, I had admired the teams that um, Brian had uh, trained, his minor team in Lachlan's. You know, I, I had seen them play it a few times and the style that that uh, that they brought to, to their game. And, you know, I 
corpse brine around, you know, to get involved. And it was a real freshening up of, uh, of the whole situation, you know, the drills and everything. It was a new voice. And I think it was what the girls really needed at the time. And once, you know, that was in place and we had, you know, we got back to the All-Ireland, I was happy, you know, that if Brian was going to stay on and that I would step down. Um, I hadn't asked him beforehand or anything, you know, I just made my announcement. I, I didn't even discuss it with Angela because I knew if I did say to some of the county board or to Brian that he tried to persuade me. So uh, once I made that announcement in the, in the dressing room, my next protocol was to speak to Brian on the bus, you know, to stay on. Um, you know, don't throw in the towel, they're a great bunch of girls and, you know, just put his, his own team in place. And thankfully enough, you know, that's what happened. He has Tommy Sheffland, uh, Philly Larkin, Ray Chandler there with him. You know, you couldn't get a, you couldn't ask for a better set of, you know, selectors and, and mentors. So um, I'm, I was happy to bow out and know that uh, Kilkenny Camogie is in good hands. And it was great too as well to be in a position to influence that your leaving is in good order as well because as a Kilkenny Camogie person as a fan as well you want to see Kilkenny achieve success and hopefully they'll do that under Brian well hopefully you know that was the idea really because the girls liked Brian and they liked working under him and you know it was it was great that he was going to stay on and you know I can't speak highly enough either about you know Tommy Shefflin I never had the the opportunity to work with Tommy but he's a real professional um you know and what I'm hearing the girls really love having Philly and, and Tommy involved with them and and as I said Ray Chandler who was there last year with with myself doing the physical fitness with the girls um they they all work well and of course Angela Angela and Brida Holmes are still in the background giving giving the lads a hand as Angela said she's the washerwoman that's all she does but uh, you know they're important they're an important part of the setup as well I've been a plenty of your games though and Angela's not just a water woman because <laughs> <laughs> along with yourself you've achieved so much success in the game and have always had each other's back like when I'm just going through the stats here in front of me and we probably need three programmes just to go through it all but I will bring it back to the playing days for a moment as well and when you look back first overall and what you've achieved both county and club what are the first things that come to your mind? Um, well sure the club to be quite honest um the, the club championships with with uh, with St Paul's and obviously our club all Ireland that we won in '94 with Liz Downey, and that match was played um, here in the village of Ballaragut. Although we played with Liz Downey, it's only two miles up the road from us here, and they're our next door neighbours. But to play that all Ireland um, down in the in the pitch in in Ballaragut, you know, it was it was it was something special, and you know, and the way that we we won the all Ireland, um, we, I think we were. 11, 10 or 11 points down with, down with 10, minutes to, go with 10 yeah. minutes to go and to end up winning by six. Um, you know, the people were leaving the pitch, I think, with quarter of an hour to go when they heard a cheer and they came back to see what was happening. And uh, that was, you know, that was really, really, really special, to be honest. And the All-Irelands that we had won with, with St. Paul's as well, because, um, you know, there were girls that, you know, we had started our camogie, our, our career with, because there was no, no team in the village at the time. And the only option Angela and myself had then was to go into Kilkenny and play with St. Paul's. But as it happened, uh, Mary McCurry, um, you know, was heavily involved with Paul's at the time. And our dad used to give my dad a hand here uh, when he was in the business and he had he saw Angela and myself in the backyard playing and he had said, there's two young ones up there in Ballarat, you need to get them involved in Camogie. And we started with St. Paul's, that's where our career started and uh, we had great days with them.
you know, it's it's great to win. It's great to win club. And say, and you did a fantastic success with St. Paul starting six of the seven that you won. But as you mentioned, this down is well, much closer to home. Can you separate how special the victories were? The fact that this down came a few years after your last success with St. Paul's, and would you rate them all equally? I know the match for the match against Glen Rovers obviously was probably the most exciting out of the seven. Uh, yeah, the match against uh, yeah the match against Glen Rovers was special. Um, I well, I'd have to go back to I, I suppose St Paul's and I think it was 1988. It was the the year again that um, Angela had been suspended, wrongly suspended. Um, that we had to go to. I think we went to Glen and Maddie now, and don't ask me. I, I think it was Glen and Maddie that we played in an All-Ireland had to go and play without Angela because the match was called off the week before and decided, you know, to call Angela to Dublin and suspend her for, for six months for something that never happened. You know, she she wasn't sent off. She wasn't booked. She didn't get a red card. She, her name wasn't taken. Uh, and it beggars belief to think, you know, that your association would do that to you to try and make an example um, of you. Um that was a special day as well, you know, because it was a, mu- a must-win match for us that day, to, you know, to go and try and win an All-Ireland without her. It was it was a big ask and it was great to get over the line that day. I was aware Angela had missed that game. I didn't realise she was given a six-month suspension. It's, in one way, it obviously frustrating uh, as a teammate, as a sister too, but maybe as a team as well, you used that as the real motivation that you were going to win it for Angela. Well, of course, yeah. You know, it was... It was, um, you know, it was hurtful to, to, to myself and to the family um, to think that you were to play in All-Ireland tomorrow and they called it off the, day, the night before. I mean, it was never her tell of. I mean, at that stage, um, the host team would always give you a sit-down meal. This was the club All-Ireland. We were travelling to Galway the next day and to have all that stopped, you know, to, to bring her to Dublin and... As we, as I said, you know, without giving a reason why, and to suspend her for uh, for for six months, you know, just to make an example of her, it, it's something that I would have been able to accept because, you know, I would have always said that Angela played her game, she got into the car and she went home. That was it. Where I play the game, I was tough. You know, I didn't take any prisoners. I suppose I would have deserved maybe a six month suspension some of the time, but <laughs> certainly An- Angela didn't. So the hurt that the family felt at the time was just immense. You know, um, I remember I was in the shop the day that, you know, Angela passed down by the shop and daddy called her in. She was coming down from the graveyard and uh, he said, uh, the match is off tomorrow. And she said, why? Who's dead? Was, And he said, no one dead. You have to go to Dublin next week uh, for a central council meeting. That was it, you know, and it's, um, as I said, it's something that I'll never forgive the association for. You know, I've got great, I've made great friends. We've travelled the world through Camogie. Uh, I've had great times with Camogie, both, both club and county and playing for Leinster, um, you know, but it's the one blemish, you know, that I find it hard to, to let go. And it's, I find it hard, you know, f- to forgive the people that did that to her. It's, it's baffling would you like for our younger listeners now because they see the club finals being in Crow Park and a great occasion for Camogie too but this this has gone on in the late 80s and of course back then it was home and away All-Ireland finals as well that you'd have an All-Ireland final called off for a week to pretty much punish a player you know I mean as you said for something that there's no proof that happened mm. Well it beggars belief why it happened you know I mean we had played the 
the All-Ireland semi-final inside in um, the village pitch uh, in Larchfield against a, a team called Killer from Cork. And it was a tasty affair, but it was a tasty affair on both sides. Um, but the referee on the day had dealt with what was happening. And after the game, I mean, the sledging that went on, it was the first time that we had ever encountered it, uh, was unbelievable. After the game, Angela was in such a state in the dressing room, I'll never forget it. Um, but as I said, the referee didn't take either of Angela's name or the Cork girl's name. Uh, and I have to, you know, again, the Cork girl was, was suspended for six months as well. Um, but, you know, we don't know what went into the report, if anything. But two weeks later, our All-Ireland was set. Everything was hunky-dory. We were training away. And as I said, the game called off. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't happen today. You know, you would hope it wouldn't happen today anyway. Yeah, like even for a county final today, let alone an All-Ireland final. Mm. The result went right on the day. And of course, we talked about the famous comeback against a Glen Rovers team that was laden with Cork Stairs as well at the time. But of course, mm. you broke into the Kilkenny panel, I think at 16, if I'm correct. And uh, my first memory of Camogie was watching in the 80s. But beforehand as well, you started uh, picking up O'Duffy Cups from 1974 on. Yeah, 72, Angela played her first All-Ireland. I think she was 15. I wasn't on the panel, but I do remember being on the sideline in Croke Park. And uh, 74, Angela was on the team and I was a sub. So from there on, I, after 74, I did make the team and we were blessed with the people that, you know, that um, we were playing with uh, Mary McCarry, Liz Neary, you know, uh, the O'Neills, Helena and Teresa, uh, Mary Canavan, Mary Kennedy, Orsa Grace, and every time that someone retired, someone else filled their shoes. You know, I suppose after 74, Camogie really started to grow in Kilkenny. Um, and with the success of Kilkenny, uh, Camogie, clubs mushroomed around the county. So uh, eventually St. Paul's disbanded. And that's why Angela and myself went to, went to Liz Downey. I think it was 91 was our first year there. And... Um, uh, because Kilkenny Camogie or the, the St. Paul's was gone at that stage because it, St. Paul's was made up of girls from different parishes that didn't have a Camogie team in their parish. And um, uh, the successes then just, you know, as I said, the great players, Gillian Dillon, uh, uh, the Malays, Bridget Mullally, I leave out someone, Billy, Billy O'Sullivan, uh, Joe Don, Deirdre Malone, you know, every time, that someone retired and hold and retired, someone else would fill their shoes. And we were just, just so lucky to be around that time. You know, it, it was such a team effort, such a panel effort, and we were just blessed to be part of it. As a young child myself, getting into all sports as well at the time, and of course, back then it wasn't live coverage, I don't think, or it might have been coming around the time, but it was always the Sunday game highlight show, which for, for that period was the regular Kilkenny victory in, in uh, mm. Crow Park. You had four wins against Cork, two against Dublin, one against Wexford, and of course, before that, you had to go to replay against Cork twice as well. When, when we talked about your management earlier on, Anne, and we talked about the players you played with there now during that golden period, was there things you picked up from the management of the Kilkenny team at that time too that was strongly influenced you when you started taking the reins yourself? Um, I No, I think really where my influence came from was going to Nolan Park and watching the Hurlers train, um, you know, under Brian Cody and uh, Michael Dempsey and um, all his physical trainers and the drills that they, they would... Um, you know, half on, on, on display that night. And every night you went in, it was a different drill. And I had my notebook and, 
even at that stage, I think I wasn't going into management. I might have been heavily involved with the club at the time, but just bringing a different drill, you know, so that you could uh, freshen up things at, at, um, at training. Because certainly the skill level, I would have to say now, is probably far higher um, than it was when we were playing. If I look back on any of the videos, you know, I suppose a lot of my my play was you know, pulling on the ball on the ground or if I did, if I was able to get it into my hand, grand. But the skill level that the girls have today, yeah, probably it's unbelievable. It just matches any hurler that you meet any place in, in Ireland. How important is it, based on what you've learned too and what you've done yourself, is we always talk about training sessions and the influence of coaches have, but to keep training sessions fresh, vibrant and different to ensure that you're getting the most out of your players and the yeah, well, it's important that they, they, they want to come to training and they, the training is enjoyable. You know, if they're coming to training and they're bored or if they say that they're not enjoying it, then, then you have a problem. Um, and that was the beauty in, you know, that I had involved, you know, having the lads involved, like with Paddy or uh, Paul Murphy had some great drills and Paul had, at the time had come from a soccer background, you know, but, you know, he used those drills, you know, even uh, um, for the girls, you know, to do different drills with them and um, just to keep the thing fresh and that you're not there all night, you know, an hour and 20 minutes is enough for a session and you're not hanging on to the girls after, you know, telling them about when you were playing or when I did this or they don't want to hear that, you know, they just want to, to go out and train and they want to get fit, get into their cards and, and go home. So, you know, every training session that we, we would have would always be different and uh, certainly would always be, would be gone out of the pitch after an hour and a half. I'm conscious of the time, and so there's a few more questions before we move on to the final segment as well. Of course, it'd be remiss of me doing this conversation not to talk about the fact that you've captain Kilkenny as well, the two All-Ireland successes too. 1994 must have been particularly sweet because you hadn't won in a couple of years after that dominant run, but needless to say, you wouldn't have imagined at the time that the next time Kilkenny won in All-Ireland, you'd be actually managing rather than playing. Yeah, 94 was a special year for us, all right. Um, you know, captain in Kilkenny, but also, as I said, winning the club all Ireland the same year. Um, really special. And it's such an honour, you know, to captain your county and to lead a team out to Crow Park. I mean, it's everyone's dream. And, you know, lucky enough to, to get to do that twice. Um, but I suppose, you know, sport is all about the people that you meet and the friends that you, you meet along the way. And um, thank God we're still in contact. Most of us, you know, it's... Uh, we don't meet as often as we should meet, I suppose. And uh, maybe this pandemic is, has been a leveller for us all that the important things in life are, are, are friends and keeping in touch with friends and, you know, making sure that, you know, that you're there for them if they need you and that you're there for them. Um, but, you know, they were absolutely great years, 94, you know, brilliant. But, you know, little did we think that we'd have to wait 22 years for the next victory. It's mind boggles, you know, but some great teams came along then, Lord of mercy on, on, on Biddy Phillips and Tipperary, you know, had battled a long, long time with uh, with Tipperary and the same year that we played them, I think the first year All-Ireland that they won, we had played them a few times and had beaten them well, 15, 16 points in challenge games. But, you know, she got uh, Skippy, as she called them at the time, involved and they got over the line for their first All-Ireland and, you know, you just couldn't begrudge it. Uh, to them and they were there for a while and of course Wexford then came with a great run with the Laces and Ursula, Ursula Jacob and uh, Kate Kelly, you know, Catherine Murphy and uh, Anne Reddy had been there I suppose knocking on the door and didn't get their All-Ireland but um, some great players as well, you know, it's just that's what you need I suppose but not really at, <laughs> not at Kilkenny's expense but 
22 years, you know, it was such a long time to not to win in All-Ireland and some great Camogie players in Kilkenny that never won, you know, they think about, um, I suppose, Lizzie Ling was one person that, you know, gave her heart and soul and never got an All-Ireland, um, um, Catherine Doherty and, uh, um, you know, Katrina Ryan, you know, they're giving their heart and soul and not getting over the line. So um, that's it, I suppose, boat is cruel and you have to be able to take the knocks and get up and, and rise and, you know, live to fight another day. Your dad, uh, Shem, was an Ireland winner with Kenny in 1947. And I know that before yourself and Angela were born, but uh, was Camogie always what you wanted to play? Is that the earliest memory or was it kind of something you just developed as you got older? Um, you know, I suppose it was just something that entertained us here in, in the backyard. There was five of us, Olga, James, and uh, Angela, myself, and my, our younger sister, Maria. And you entertained yourself by playing, hurling, maybe even just hitting the ball up against the back gate and maybe sticking Marie in the goal and firing balls at her. Um, but then we never had an opportunity, I suppose, to play for the for the primary school. We did, Matt Ruth's mother, um, Mary, ha- at the time had, we. I remember getting into the car and going down to the Roar in the Steag and we played one game. Uh, it wasn't until we, we joined Paul's, I suppose we were 10 or 12 or 13 at the time that we joined Paul's. Um, uh, went into Kilkenny to Anne Carl's house. They had a little picture at the, at the back of her house in Dunmore, and that's where we trained. And that was our first real exposure to, to I suppose, proper camogie at the time. You know, other than that, it was only uh, playing in the back backyard here, yard here with the with any of the neighbours that came in and have our own little mini games. Many games well, and of course you went on with success. I know, uh, just two questions, Anne, before we wrap up uh, the segment. You've often had comparisons with Angela in regards to better Camogie player. I'm not going to go into that now, but there's no doubt who wins the argument when it comes to squash. <laughs> yeah, I know. I enjoy squash, I suppose, you know, and, and it was funny because I could be up in Belfast playing an, an Ulster Ulster Open and she never played squash Angela but I could come off the court and someone said thanks Angela you know I was there was no getting away from her but I enjoyed squash you know and uh, I think at the end of the day Angela gave up come, uh, coming to watch me play in squash because I fought of course like a tiger on, on the court with referees and with whoever you know that's my makeup that's the who I am I suppose that's but, the fighting uh, spirit yeah yeah I enjoyed it you know I met great friends and again was lucky enough you know to get a few caps for Ireland but um, it was something to do I suppose during the during the, the winter when we weren't playing Camogie and once the league started back then I was fish as a fiddle and um, you know raring to go at the Camogie again so it just really squash tied me over you know in the winter and at the end of the day, you know, I was lucky enough to, to play for Munster and, and to play for Ireland. And it, of course, it brings its freshness as well, as we often see with some players doing basketball. I know you're a keen golfer as well, but uh, final question before I finish the segment, Dan. Uh, will you ever get to spend more time in Kerry like I think you'd planned to do before you took the bike job? I hope so. I know Olga was on the phone to me. When are you coming down only last weekend and um, to play the golf? But... Um, hopefully, you know, you'd be hoping that, you know, I, I, I hate putting, I thought we'd be back playing by May, uh, playing hurling, but this pandemic is going on and on. And I'm hoping that in the new year that maybe the whole thing will be behind us and that we can look forward to 2021 and get plenty of golf and plenty of hurling. 
I certainly hope you do and get plenty of time in Kerry where you can get the chance yeah, as well. Yeah. And thanks a million for that. I really enjoyed the chat. There's so much more we could have talked about. But before we finish up, we do have our segment, which is called Fantastic Four. And pretty much Anna means I get you, I get, I'll ask you to pick the best two players that you've played with. That can be club or county or any criteria you decide. And the two best players you've played against. So, Anne Downey, I'll start with your Fantastic Four. Could you name the best player that you've played with and why? Um, Breda Holmes, I, I really, to be honest, because her vision, you know, um, she would get the ball instinctively. She would know, uh, where you would be gone or where Angela would be gone, or she would make the run known where I would hit the ball. Um, and Liz Neary was unbelievable. Liz Neary, you know, she would hit you shoulder to shoulder, uh, no nonsense, Camogie player, uh, a great leader, I could play full back, full forward, um, you know, a uh, pleasure to watch. Of course, those two names too, very important to players like that in the team because what we've often talked about plotted certain players getting, especially Angela being up in the attack as well, it's players like Liz Neary and Breda Holmes that have created those opportunities that have allowed others to get those scores. Yeah, and Angela would always say that, you know, I mean, her job is just to throw the ball over the bar, you know, but it was the work that everyone was doing around her you know, to give her those opportunities. And it's the same with any hurling match, you know, if the ball is in the in the box or around the, the half, 21 yard line or the square, you know, surely to God the lads, if they're if they're getting six balls in, they should be able to get three points out of it. And if it's not if that's not happening and you're playing your, your sport at the other end of the pitch, um, you know, the scores don't come. But it's it's you know, you can't emphasize enough it's a team sport. It's as simple as that. Uh, and just want to confirm there, are they the two selections for the players you played with, Rita Holmes and Liz Neary? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no Angela in there? <laughs> uh, that would be biased, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Brida Holmes and Liz Neary, two very yeah. deserving people in yeah. Anne Downey's Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And I'm now going to go to the two players that you played against. I'll ask you for the first player and why. Sandy Fitzgibbon. Uh, again, her skill and her, her speed. Um, you just couldn't keep an eye on her, to be quite honest. Uh, she was such a handful. Um, it's just, she was the one player, you know, that when we play Cork in All-Ireland that you would have just to keep an eye on. And it was the same the day that we played the club All-Ireland. Sandy was on that team here in Ballaragut with Glen Rovers. And uh, I think the same day, uh, she just got tired, I think, at the same day. And we took her opportunities, but she was an unbelievable uh, motivator on the on the pitch, you know. You would hear her encouraging the girls uh, around her, but you know, such a skillful uh, uh, player with speed. Sandy Fitzgibbon is certainly a Cork legend there that has mm. paved the way for the current generation of least side players that are involved. So, Anne, we have Brida Holmes, Liz Neary, and Sandy Fitzgibbon. Your final member of your Fantastic Four, the second player you played against, and why? Um, would it be Catra Murphy who had played both fullback and centre back for Wexford? Um, you know, a great reader of the game and such a hand on her. You know, she was she'd nearly beat you on on her own. You know, she was a powerful, powerful player, and you you know you would know that if you could kind of get your get the ball past Catra, that you'd have some sort of a chance. You know, getting a score, but oh, she was a just a powerhouse to be honest. And she was, because of course a lot of people don't realise that Wexford were still competing for All-Ireland titles despite their own barren period as well, before the latter team came along that did finally go over the line. 
They did, and they were just unfortunate. I, one year against us, you know, we had to really, really battle hard. I don't think there was an awful lot of, of uh, in in the game at the end of the day. You know, Elsie Cody, I could mention as well. And I suppose when you start mentioning players, then you think of someone else. But um, they were knocking on the door at the time as well. And again, um, I think Anne, Anne Reddy might have been the captain the year that I was captain, that um, they were beaten. And, um, you know, we had such a such battles with them and yet, you know, ended up friends at the end of the day, you know, and that's, I suppose, that's what sport is about. Um, you know, you only remember, unfortunately, it's the winner takes takes all and uh, for that Wexford team, they didn't, they really didn't win enough, to be honest, for the great Camogie players that they were. And they certainly were as well. Even I remember there when we started off a few weeks back talking to Stella Sennett and she remembers those those misses as well, um, mm. like, like they were yesterday. But And we could spend another 40 minutes talking here and I wish we had the time to do it, but it's been absolutely pleasure talking to you here. Just to repeat, Anne Downing's Fantastic Four again. It's Breda Holmes, Liz Neary, Sandy Fitzgibbon and Catherine Murphy. I hope, Anne, we get to do this again sometime down the line. But for, well, I'd like to say thank you very much for joining us here on The Fair Green. You're welcome, Darren. Thanks for calling. And that's it for this week's Camogie edition of The Fair Green. Our team song, National Duality, comes from Joseph McDade, and you can hear more from him by checking out josephmcdade.com slash music. Also, check out this week's Ladies Football Edition, now available on sportsstars.ie, that features Mayo's Cora Staunton talk about Carnicon, Australia and Mayo. I'd like to thank today's guest again, Kilkenny's Anne Downey. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Darren Kelly, and this was The Fair Green.